storytelling is as old as time itself. Stories run through the lifeblood of humankind. But stories are forgotten as they're passed from generation to generation. My goal with this podcast is to prevent that from happening. To stop these stories from getting lost in the sands of time. I'm David Swiduck, and you're listening to Faded Words. All right, guys, welcome back to the final episode of Faded Words before we take a short break through the month of January. We talked about it last episode, so if you want to know more about that, head over there. Plus, it's a great story. I really enjoyed last week's episode. So with that in mind, again, just a reminder, and it's already happening in places. I told you I've got some big changes coming, and you may notice that this show is now showing up in your podcast player as Everything AIC. Now, you can still find Faded Words. If that's the only content you want going forward, you'll be able to find it in the podcast player of your choice very shortly as just Faded Words, or you can head over to anchor.fm slash Faded Words pod and find it there. That being said, I don't want you to freak out. I know this says everything AIC. For right now, as of today, when this episode drops, there are no extra episodes coming out. However, as we come through this little hiatus and into January, the end of January, beginning of February, there's going to be a whole bunch of cool new stuff. I can't wait. Some new projects, everything else going on. We're going to get into some original fiction. Like I mentioned, I've even got plans that crystallize and finalize for me on how I want to approach a film and television review type of show where we can have kind of a movie club, so to speak, uh, where we can all watch along and, and I'll talk about films and we'll get into that more when it comes i don't want to say too much but we've got a lot of things happening and you can find it all right here in this feed that you're listening to right now the everything aic feed you'll be able to just stay subscribed and enjoy all the amazing new content as we get back to things after january now as of right now we're leading into the Christmas holiday. And I just want to take a second and tell you guys a very heartfelt Merry Christmas and happy holiday season to all of you out there. Um, all of you that have stuck with me through all of my different projects. I really, really do appreciate it. It's been a hell of a tough year and, uh, the support from you guys means way more than I could ever put into words. So with that, I wanted to give you a fun story, a Christmas theme story, kind of, well, mostly. You'll see what I mean. We're going to get into that right now. A Kidnapped Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. Santa Claus lives in the Laughing Valley, where stands the big rambling castle in which his toys are manufactured. 
His workmen, selected from the rills, nooks, pixies, and fairies, live with him, and everyone is as busy as can be from one year's end to another. It's called the Laughing Valley because everything there is happy and gay. The brook chuckles to itself as it leaps rollicking between its green banks. The wind whistles merrily in the trees, the sunbeams dance lightly over the soft grass, and the violets and wildflowers look smilingly up from their green nests. To laugh, one needs to be happy. To be happy, one needs to be content. And throughout the Laughing Valley of Santa Claus, contentment reigns supreme. On one side is the mighty Forest of Burzee. On the other side stands the huge mountains that contain the caves of the demons. And between them, the valley lies smiling and peaceful. One would think that our good old Santa Claus, who devotes his days to making children happy, would have no enemies on all the earth. And as a matter of fact, for a long period of time, he encountered nothing but love wherever he might go. But the demons who live in the mountain caves grew to hate Santa Claus very much, and all for the simple reason that he made children happy. The caves of the demons are five in number. A broad pathway leads up to the first cave, which is a finely arched cavern at the foot of the mountain, the entrance being beautifully carved and decorated. In it resides the demon of selfishness. Back of this is another cavern inhabited by the demon of envy. The cave of the demon of hatred is next in order, and through this one passes to the home of the demon of malice, situated in a dark and fearful cave in the very heart of the mountain. I do not know what lies beyond this. Some say there are terrible pitfalls leading to death and destruction, and this very well may be true. However, from each one of the four caves mentioned, there is a small, narrow tunnel leading to a fifth cave, a cozy little room occupied by the demon of repentance. And as the rocky floors of these passages are well worn by the track of passing feet, I judge that many wanderers in the caves of the demons have escaped through the tunnels to the abode of the demon of repentance, who is said to be a pleasant sort of fellow who gladly opens for one a little door admitting you into fresh air and sunshine again. Well, these demons of the caves, thinking they had great cause to dislike old Santa Claus, held a meeting one day to discuss the matter. I'm getting really lonesome, said the demon of selfishness. For Santa Claus distributes so many pretty Christmas gifts to all the children that they become happy and generous through his example and keep away from my cave. I'm having the same trouble, rejoined the demon of envy. The little ones seem quite content with Santa Claus and there are few indeed that I can coax to become envious. And that makes it bad for me, declared the demon of hatred. For if no children pass through the caves of selfishness and envy, none can get to my cavern. Or to mine, added the demon of malice. For my part, said the demon of repentance, uh, it is easily seen that if the children do not visit your caves, they have no need to visit mine, so that I am quite as neglected as you are. No, this because this person they call Santa Claus exclaimed the demon of envy. He is simply ruining our businesses, and something must be done at once. 
To this, they readily agreed. But what to do was another and more difficult matter to settle. They knew that Santa Claus worked all through the year at his castle in the Laughing Valley, preparing the gifts he was to distribute on Christmas Eve. And at first, they resolved to try and tempt him into their caves, that they might lead him on to the terrible pitfalls that ended in destruction. So the very next day, while Santa Claus was busily at work, surrounded by his little band of assistants, the demon of selfishness came to him and said, These toys are wonderfully bright and pretty. Why do you not keep them for yourself? It's a pity to give them to those noisy boys and fretful girls who break and destroy them so quickly. Nonsense, cried the old graybeard, his bright eyes twinkling merrily as he turned toward the tempting demon. The boys and girls are never so noisy and fretful after receiving my presents, and if I can make them happy for one day in the year, I am quite content. So the demon went back to the others who awaited him there in their caves and said, I have failed, for Santa Claus is not at all selfish. The following day, the demon of envy visited Santa Claus. Said he, the toy shops are full of playthings quite as pretty as those you are making. What a shame it is they should interfere with your business. They make toys by machinery much quicker than you can make them by hand, and they sell them for money while you get nothing at all for your work. But Santa Claus refused to be envious of the toy shops. I can supply the little ones but once a year on Christmas Eve, he answered. For the children are many, and I am but one, and as my work is one of love and kindness, I would be ashamed to receive money for my little gifts. But throughout all the year, the children must be amused in some way, and so the toy shops are able to bring much happiness to my little friends. I like the toy shops, and I'm glad to see them prosper. In spite of the second rebuff, the demon of hatred thought he would try to influence Santa Claus. So the next day he entered the busy workshop and said, Good morning, Santa. I have bad news for you. Then run away like a good fellow, answered Santa Claus. Bad news is something that should be kept secret and never told. You cannot escape this, however, declared the demon, for in the world are a good many who do not believe in Santa Claus, and these you are bound to hate bitterly since they have so wronged you. Stuff and rubbish, cried Santa. And there are others who resent your making children happy and who sneer at you and call you a foolish old rattlepate. You are quite right to hate such base slanderers and you ought to be revenged upon them for their evil words. But I don't hate them, exclaimed Santa Claus positively. Such people do me no real harm, but merely render themselves and their children unhappy. Poor things, I'd much rather help them any day than injure them. Indeed, the demons could not tempt old Santa Claus in any way. On the contrary, he was shrewd enough to see that their object in visiting him was to make mischief and trouble, and his cheery laughter disconcerted the evil ones and showed to them the folly of such an undertaking. So they abandoned honeyed words and determined to use force. It was well known that no harm can come to Santa Claus while he is in the Laughing Valley, for the fairies and rills and nooks all protect him. But on Christmas Eve, he drives his reindeer out into the big world, 
carrying a sleigh load of toys and pretty gifts to the children. And this was the time and the occasion when his enemies had the best chance to injure him. So the demons laid their plans and awaited the arrival of Christmas Eve. The moon shone big and white in the sky, and the snow lay crisp and sparkling on the ground as Santa Claus cracked his whip and sped away out of the valley into the great world beyond. The roomy sleigh was packed full with huge sacks of toys, and as the reindeer dashed onward, our jolly old Santa laughed and whistled and sang for very joy. For in all his merry life, this was the one day in the year when he was happiest, the day he lovingly bestowed the treasures of his workshop upon the little children. It would be a busy night for him, he well knew. As he whistled and shouted and cracked his whip again, he reviewed in mind all the towns and cities and farmhouses where he was expected, and figured that he had just enough presents to go around and make every child happy. The reindeer knew exactly what was expected of them and dashed along so swiftly that their feet scarcely seemed to touch the snow-covered ground. Suddenly, a strange thing happened. A rope shot through the moonlight and a big noose that was in the end of it settled over the arms and body of Santa Claus and drew tight. Before he could resist or even cry out, he was jerked from the seat of the sleigh and tumbled head foremost into a snowbank while the reindeer rushed onward with a load of toys and carried it quickly out of sight and sound. Such a surprising experience confused old Santa for a moment, and when he had collected his senses, he found that the wicked demons had pulled him from the snowdrift and bound him tightly with many coils of the stout rope. And when they carried the kidnapped Santa Claus away to their mountain, where they thrust the prisoner into a secret cave and chained him into the rocky wall so that he could not escape. Ha 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 ha! laughed the demons, rubbing their hands together with cruel glee. What will the children do now? How will they cry and scold and storm when they find there are no toys in their stockings and no gifts on their Christmas trees? And what a lot of punishment they will receive from their parents! And how they will flock to our caves of selfishness and envy and hatred and malice. We have done a mighty clever thing, we demons of the caves. Now, it's so chance that on this Christmas Eve, the good Santa Claus had taken with him in his sleigh Nutter the Rill, Peter the Nook, Kilter the Pixie, and a small fairy named Whisk, his four favorite assistants. These little people he had often found very useful in helping him to distribute his gifts to the children, and when their master was so suddenly dragged from the sleigh, they were all snugly tucked underneath the seat where the sharp wind could not reach them. The tiny immortals knew nothing of the capture of Santa Claus until some time after he had disappeared. But finally, they missed his cheery voice, and as their master always sang or whistled on his journeys, the silence warned them that something was wrong. Little Whisk stuck out his head from underneath the seat and found Santa Claus gone and no one to direct the flight of the reindeer. Whoa! he called out, and the deer obediently slackened speed and came to a halt. Peter and Nutter and Kilter all jumped upon the seat and looked back over the track made by the sleigh. But Santa Claus had been left miles and miles behind. Oh, what shall we do? said Whisk anxiously, all the mirth and mischief banished from his wee face by his great calamity. 
We must go back at once and find our master, said Nutter the Real, who had thought and spoke with much deliberation. No, no, exclaimed Peter the Nook, who, cross and crabbed though he was, might always be depended upon in an emergency. If we delay or go back, there will not be time to get the toys to the children before morning, and that would grieve Santa Claus more than anything else. It is certain that some wicked creatures have captured him, added Kilter thoughtfully, and their object must be to make children unhappy. So our first duty is to get the toys distributed as carefully as if Santa Claus were himself present. Afterward, we can search for our master and easily secure his freedom. This seems such good and sensible advice that the others at once resolved to adopt it. So Peter the Nook called to the reindeer, and the faithful animals again sprang forward and dashed over the hill and valley, through forest and plain, until they came to the houses wherein children lay sleeping and dreaming of the pretty gifts they would find on Christmas morning. The little immortals had set themselves a difficult task, for although they had assisted Santa Claus on many of his journeys, their master had always directed and guided them and told them exactly what he wished them to do. But now they had to distribute the toys according to their own judgment, and they did not understand children as well as did old Santa, so it is no wonder they made some laughable errors. Mamie Brown, who wanted a doll, got a drum instead. And a drum is of no use to a girl who loves dolls. And Charlie Smith, who delights to romp and play out of doors, who wanted some new rubber boots to keep his feet dry, he received a sewing box filled with colored wordsteads and threads and needles, which made him so provoked that he thoughtlessly called our dear Santa Claus a fraud. Had there been many such mistakes, the demons would have accomplished their evil purpose and made the children unhappy. But the little friends of the absent Santa Claus labored faithfully and intelligently to carry out their master's ideas, and they made fewer errors than might be expected under such unusual circumstances. And although they worked as swiftly as possible, day had begun to break before the toys and other presents were all distributed. So for the first time in many years, the reindeer trotted into the Laughing Valley on their return in broad daylight with the brilliant sun peeping over the edge of the forest to prove they were far behind their accustomed hours. Having put the deer in the stable, the little folk began to wonder how they might rescue their master. And they realized they must discover, first of all, what had happened to him and where he was. So Whisk the fairy transported himself to the bower of the fairy queen, which was located deep in the heart of the forest of Burzee. And once there, it did not take him long to find out all about the naughty demons and how they had kidnapped the good Santa Claus to prevent his making children happy. The Fairy Queen also promised her assistance, and then, fortified by this powerful support, Whisk flew back to where Nutter and Peter and Kilter awaited him, and the four counseled together and laid plans to rescue their master from his enemies. It is possible that Santa Claus was not as merry as usual during the night that succeeded his capture. For although he had faith in the judgment of his little friends, he could not avoid a certain amount of worry, and an anxious look would creep at times into his kind old eyes as he thought of the disappointment that might await his dear little children. And the demons, who guarded him by turns, one after another, did not neglect to taunt him with contemptuous words in his helpless condition. When Christmas Day dawned, 
The demon of malice was guarding the prisoner, and his tongue was sharper than that of any of the others. The children are waking up, Santa, he cried. They are waking up to find their stockings empty. Ho, ho, ho! How they will quarrel and wail and stamp their little feet in anger. Our caves will be full today, old Santa. Our caves are sure to be full. But to this, as to other like taunts, Santa Claus answered nothing. He was much grieved by his capture, it is true. But his courage did not forsake him, and finding that the prisoner would not reply to his jeers, the demon of malice presently went away, and sent the demon of repentance to take his place. The last personage was not so disagreeable as the others. He had gentle and refined features, and his voice was soft and pleasant in tone. My brother demons do not trust me over much, said he as he entered the cavern. But it is morning now, and the mischief is done. You cannot visit the children again for another year. That is true, answered Santa Claus almost cheerfully. Christmas Eve is past, and for the first time in centuries, I have not visited my children. The little ones will be greatly disappointed, murmured the demon of repentance almost regretfully. But that cannot be helped now. Their grief is likely to make the children selfish and envious and hateful, and if they come to the caves of the demons today, I shall get a chance to lead some of them to my cave of repentance. Do you ever repent yourself? asked Santa Claus curiously. Oh, yes, indeed, answered the demon. I am even now repenting that I assisted in your capture. Of course, it is too late to remedy the evil that has been done, but... Repentance, you know, can come only after an evil thought or deed, for in the beginning there is nothing to repent of. So I understand, said Santa Claus. Those who avoid evil never visit your cave. As a rule, that is true, replied the demon. Yet you, who have done no evil, are about to visit my cave at once. For to prove that I sincerely regret my share in your capture, I am going to permit you to escape. This speech greatly surprised the prisoner until he reflected that it was just what might be expected of the demon of repentance. The fellow at once busied himself untying the knots that bound Santa Claus and unlocking the chains that fastened him to the wall. Then he led the way through a long tunnel until they both emerged in the cave of repentance. I hope you will forgive me, said the demon pleadingly. I am really not a bad person, you know, and I, I believe I accomplish a great deal of good in the world. With this, he opened a back door that let in a flood of sunshine, and Santa Claus sniffed the fresh air gratefully. I bear no malice, said he to the demon in a gentle voice, and I am sure the world would be a dreary place without you, so... Good morning and a Merry Christmas to you. With these words, he stepped out to greet the bright morning, and a moment later he was trudging along, whistling softly to himself on his way to his home in the Laughing Valley. Marching over the snow toward the mountain was a vast army, made up of the most curious creatures imaginable. There were numberless nooks from the forest, as rough and crooked in appearance as the gnarled branches of the trees they ministered to, 
and there were dainty rills from the fields, each one bearing the emblem of the flower or plant it guarded. Behind these were many ranks of pixies, gnomes, and nymphs, and in the rear a thousand beautiful fairies floated along in gorgeous array. This wonderful army was led by Whisk, Peter, Nutter, and Kilter, who had assembled it to rescue Santa Claus from captivity and to punish the demons who had dared take him away from his beloved children. And although they looked so bright and peaceful, the little immortals were armed with powers that would be very terrible to those who had incurred their anger. Woe to the demons of the caves if this mighty army of vengeance ever met them. But lo, coming to meet his loyal friends appeared the imposing form of Santa Claus, his white beard floating in the breeze and his bright eyes sparkling with pleasure at this proof of the love and veneration he had inspired in the hearts of the most powerful creatures in existence. And while they clustered around him and danced with glee at his safe return, he gave them earnest thanks for their support. But Whisk and Nutter and Peter and Kilter he embraced affectionately. It is useless to pursue the demons, said Santa Claus to the army. They have their place in the world and can never be destroyed. But that is a great pity nevertheless, he continued musingly. So the fairies, and nooks, and pixies, and rills, all escorted the good man to his castle, and there left him to talk over the events of the night with his little assistants. Whisk had already rendered himself invisible, and flown through the big world to see how the children were getting along on this bright Christmas morning. And by the time he returned, Peter had finished telling Santa Claus of how they had distributed the toys. We really did very well, cried the fairy in a pleased voice, for I found little unhappiness among the children this morning. Still, you must not get captured again, my dear master, for we might not be so fortunate another time in carrying out your ideas. He then related the mistakes that had been made, and which he had not discovered until his tour of inspection. And Santa Claus at once sent him with rubber boots for Charlie Smith, and a doll for Mamie Brown, so that even those two disappointed ones became happy. As for the wicked demons of the caves, they were filled with anger and chagrin when they found that the clever capture of Santa Claus had come to naught. Indeed, no one on that Christmas day appeared to be at all selfish or envious or hateful, and realizing that while the children's saint had so many powerful friends, it was folly to oppose him, the demons never again attempted to interfere with his journeys on Christmas Eve. That was A Kidnapped Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. If you recognize that name, he's the mind behind the Wizard of Oz books. Beloved indeed. I hope you guys have enjoyed that story. It's a great Christmas story, and I do want to wish you once again, before we get into wrapping everything up here, uh, just a very, very Merry Christmas and amazing 
blessed and joyful holiday season. I know it's a little weird this year with all this COVID stuff and everything else, but celebrate family, celebrate loved ones in your life, eat some good food and laugh a lot. As this story teaches us, Santa Claus, the key to his success, so to speak, is happiness. So find the happy in your life and enjoy that. Now, like I said, I hope you enjoyed this story. And if you want to hear more, come back next episode or visit the archives. I'll have more great stories for you whenever you are ready. Again, we will be taking a brief hiatus. I'll come back here. I'm aiming for the end of January or beginning of February. And guys, you won't want to miss this. I may trickle out some kind of small news updates here and there, but be sure to follow me on social media at everything AIC because that's where you're going to know what's going on. You're going to hear about some of these new projects and things going on right there. So if you want to support Faded Words and help keep these stories from fading away, there's one very simple thing you can do to help out. Just share it with your favorite story-loving friends. I don't care if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, you name it. Wherever you guys hang out, if you like what we're doing here, Let your friends know, share the episodes, share the show, let them know we've got something very cool going on here and they should join us. We'd love to have more of you. Now, word of mouth is the best way to get the story out about the Faded Words podcast. And the more people that hear these stories, the longer they can avoid fading away into obscurity. Naturally, you can also leave a rating and review in the podcast player of your choice. And if you do, that would be amazing. It really does help. Uh, Just makes it so much easier for people to find and save these amazing stories I'm sharing with you. To keep up with everything, the best way to do that is to still visit AIC Pod, where you'll find show notes, links to the original stories, and of course, all the various links to find me on social media. Now, you'll also find at AICPod.com all of the different information on all the new projects coming out as they get released. And there is a brand new newsletter feature there that I hope you take advantage of because I'm going to start putting out a regular, probably monthly uh, newsletter for all of my story-loving fans. It'll feature a bunch of different stuff. We'll get into that more after the hiatus. But in the meantime, just check out AICPod.com. Bookmark it, follow it. You'll find links to follow me anywhere you could possibly want to right there. Faded Words is an Adventures in Creativity production produced and narrated by David Swiduck with original stories credited to the public domain. I'll be back soon with another story, and I hope to see you then. Until then, take care, and thanks so much for helping to keep these stories alive. I'm David Swiduck, and this is Faded Words. Faded Words